said she lost a dough key. She did. I found it on the table. Yeah. She couldn't get in. So she slept with Mabel. You believe that? Mama Cloud House. All night long. Yeah. Yet she said she did no wrong. Thank you very much. You are listening to The Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and we are on WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. And for today's focus, we're going to be listening to uh, a series of recordings, uh, or a selection of recordings that were made by the New Orleans pianist and composer and entrepreneur and what have you, Clarence Williams, in the 1930s. Clarence Williams was born at some point in the 1890s. He said 1898, but uh, some people feel it was as early as 1893 in Plaquemine, uh, Louisiana, which is just outside of New Orleans. But he started uh, working as a musician in the city uh, fairly early in the 1910s. He also went out on tour with some different groups. Uh, he was a piano player of uh, uh, some minor ability, I guess you'd have to say. He was never considered a great piano player, but he could play uh, pop tunes, and I guess he could read well enough that he could play new songs and introduce them and be a song plugger, which he did for a while as well. Uh, he started a music publishing company in New Orleans with his friend Armand Perone, who was a violinist who led one of the uh, best-known dance bands in New Orleans uh, in the 1910s and in 20s as well, and they recorded uh, during the 1920s, including some tunes that were published by Perone and Williams. And uh, this publishing company was one of the biggest deals in New Orleans among Creole and African-American musicians. They put out quite a lot of uh, music and uh, bought up a lot of tunes as well. Uh, Williams moved to Chicago in about 1918, 1919. He was there for a few years before he re-relocated to New York in about 1922, and he stayed there pretty much the rest of his life. And he was a, a really fine businessman. He uh, bought up a lot of tunes uh, that other players wrote and uh, or composed, and he published them by his own publishing company, usually putting his name on it as well. In an interview uh, with uh, Al Rose, the New Orleans uh, historian, I guess you'd have to call him, and promoter, uh, Williams said that he really never wrote any tunes by himself except for the Sugar Blues, which was ironically one of his biggest hits. Most of them he just sort of compiled. Somebody would bring a tune and he'd clean it up a little bit and write it down and copyright it and publish it. And so by the end of his life he had hundreds and hundreds of tunes, including very well-known jazz standards that were issued under his own name. He eventually sold his publishing interest and his whole catalog uh, to, I think it was the Decca Company in 1943, uh, uh, and actually made quite a bit of money, which he lived on the rest of his life. We'll be talking a little bit more about uh, Clarence Williams' biography as we go along, but let me tell you about the first two sides that we heard. Uh, Williams is usually known uh, for the recordings that he made in the 1920s that featured people like Louis Armstrong and Sidney Bechet, Barbara Miley, uh, people like that. He did a whole series of excellent uh, sides in the 1920s, some of which were big band sides that were putting out uh, uh, contemporary pop tunes, some that he published, some that he didn't. And then the Clarence Williams Washboard Band, which used a washboard and uh, sometimes some homemade instruments and uh, creating some very hot jazz in, in a style that came to be known later on in England as skiffle uh, due to the instrumentation. By the 1930s, he had sort of combined those two approaches. Uh, even though it was during the Depression, he was probably one of the most frequently recorded black musicians uh, in America. He obviously had a lot of contacts with publishers, with uh, recording companies. He was well thought of in the industry, so he recorded pretty much uh, uninterrupted from the time of the Depression, early on in 1930, right up until about 1935 or so, and when the swing era overtook him. 
So the first two sides that we heard were recorded for Vocalion by Clarence Williams and his orchestra on July 14th of 1933. We heard the New Orleans Standard High Society, which uh, Williams recorded several times, even wrote lyrics to it at one point. And then we heard a bluesy tune called uh, Mama Stayed Out All Night Long by Wilson and Razef. Andy Razef, of course, did the lyrics to many uh, Fast Waller tunes. And that featured a vocal by the cornet player in the band, Ed Allen. Ed Allen was from St. Louis. He was uh, one of many cornet and trumpet players from St. Louis who was active in black jazz circles from the 1920s all the way up to the 1940s. Uh, people like Dewey Jackson and uh, Singleton Palmer, uh, uh, Joe Thomas, Miles Davis, Clark Terry, you name it. They had a very strong school of brass playing back there. And Joe, or rather, Ed Allen was not a virtuoso, but he could play some very effective jazz, especially uh, using muted effects, which he said he used uh, by just manipulating his hand over the bell of the horn rather than using plungers and things like that. So High Society and Mama Stayed Out All Night Long uh, featured, as I said, Ed Allen on cornet and vocal, Clarence Williams on piano, Floyd Casey on washboard. He also backed up uh, Ed Allen's vocal on Mama Stayed Out All Night Long. Uh, somebody playing a tom-tom in there and a clarinet player. We don't know who the clarinet player was. Some people have speculated that it was Prince Robinson, who was a very underrated musician playing tenor sax and clarinet largely in the 1920s. His career extended all the way into the 1950s, and he was a player that Coleman Hawkins spoke very highly of in the 1920s, and it could very well be uh, Prince Robinson on clarinet there. So we're going to go on right now and hear uh, some tunes from the next session that the Clarence Williams group did uh, on August 7th of 1933. This is credited to Clarence Williams Jug Band, and we're going to hear the Organ Grinder Blues and Mr. Will You Serenade, Organ Grinder Blues. Uh, was composed by Clarence Williams, and uh, Mr. Will You Serenade was another tune attributed to Clarence Williams, could have been some other people as well. This was more on the lines of a pop tune. And the band for this was Cecil Scott on clarinet. Cecil Scott appeared on many Clarence Williams sessions from this period, clarinet mostly, occasionally tenor sax. Clarence Todd, who was an associate of Williams, uh, publishing associate, played kazoo, and uh, also sang on Mr. Will You Serenade, along with Eva Taylor, who was Clarence Williams' wife, and she sang on many of the 20s uh, recordings, but we'll hear her coming up as well. On piano, we have uh, Willie the Lion Smith and Herman Chittison playing dual pianos there. Ike Robinson plays banjo. Clarence Williams, in this case, is playing jug. Uh, Willie Williams, Clarence's brother, played washboard. So we have kind of a... Uh, a, uh, a family affair here. On Organ Grinder Blues, we have a vocal group called the Lowland Singers, which are, in fact, Clarence Williams, Clarence Todd, and Eva Taylor. Following that, we're going to go uh, to August 18th of 1933, another Vocalion session. The two before that were for Columbia. This is, again, Clarence Williams and his orchestra with Ed Allen, Cecil Scott, Clarence Williams, and Floyd Casey. And we're going to hear I've Got the Right Key But the Wrong Keyhole, featuring Ed Allen. Then we're going to hear an older Clarence Williams tune that goes back to about 1927 that he recorded several times, which is called Bimbo. Uh, and this was Clarence Williams and his orchestra, the same group from September of 1933 for Vocalion, with an added guitar. I'm not sure who the guitar player is in that case. Then we're going to finish up with the Harlem Rhythm Dance, and this is sort of a, a, a nod to the oncoming swing era. It has a little bit more of a modern cast to it, with uh, Clarence Williams and Andy Razif being... Uh, cited as the composers. We're going to have Ed Allen again, Cecil Scott, Clarence Williams on piano, Ike Robinson on banjo and guitar, Cyrus St. Clair on tuba. He was a frequent collaborator of Williams in the 1920s, and he reappears occasionally in the 1930s. So those are our tunes for this session. We have the Organ Grinder Blues, Mr. Will You Serenade, You've Got the Right Key But the Wrong Keyhole, Bimbo, and Harlem Rhythm Dance. With you fellas here sitting on your sleep. Ain't you gonna play no music? You done drink up all my liquor here tonight? I've got to sell this tub of chitlins here. And, 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 and that catfish must go. Come on there, boy. Wrap your lips around that clarinet and get goody low. That's more like it. 
Hey, 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 I'll play that thing. 
sister, will you serve Randy? Plan! Blow it! Howdy ha! Blow it now! Mess around! Go to town! Mister, will you serve Randy? Now let me hear a blue note! Scat the D! You can play a blue note! What was me? Oh, sharp it! Flat it! Don't you dare! I had it!
that's some pretty hot and unusual jazz from the 1930s. Again, this was during the Depression, and uh, there were an awful lot of jazz players who had been uh, influential and highly successful in the 20s who were not recording at all in the 30s, or in the early 30s anyway. Fletcher Henderson had about a year and a half where he didn't make a recording. Bessie Smith's career ended in 1933, and so on. But Clarence Williams continued to make recordings, many of which were in the style of the music we just heard. Very hot and uh, unstructured, but not messy. They were certainly very professional organizations uh, and very uh, enthusiastic. They were made in some ways for the race records market, although they were issued on Vocalion and Columbia as part of, I think, their their main series. But uh, people knew what they were getting when they were buying a Clarence Williams record. So we started off with the Organ Grinder Blues from 1933, August 7th, Columbia. We heard the Lowland Singers, Clarence Williams, Clarence Todd, and Eva Taylor. And Clarence Williams did some of that um, kind of uh, comic interlude stuff in there, introducing the band and so forth. They re-recorded this about a year later and had almost the same uh, routine going there as well. We also heard Ike Robinson doing some background vocals in the style of Cab Calloway. He was an interesting player. We may be doing a podcast on him coming up as well. And I should mention the podcast I have is also called The Jazz Focus. And you can hear that on Spotify, Apple, and our home, which is anchor.fm. So this was the Clarence Williams Jug Band for the first few tunes. Cecil Scott on clarinet, and he uh, was a, a, a jazz journeyman, I guess you'd have to say. He and his brother, the drummer Lloyd Scott, led a band in the 1920s that recorded several times and had some outstanding soloists in it. Uh, they had some success, and then Cecil Scott actually had a, a, an accident of some sort in the 1930s that sidelined him for a little while. Uh, he actually lost a leg because of that, and that was, I think, before the period we're talking about right now, where he came back and started playing with uh, the Clarence Williams Band on records anyway. He was also a well-known sideman in various bands. He recorded with Teddy Wilson. Uh, He played uh, regularly with uh, uh, Roy Eldridge and a number of other uh, very fine musicians of the 1930s. And he led his own band starting in the mid-40s all the way up until he died in the mid-60s. He was uh, just about 60 years old when he passed away. Very well recorded and uh, very effective player using that kind of buzz tone uh, flutter-tonguing style that we heard on these recordings. So after Organ Grinder Blues, we heard Mr. Will You Serenade, again a vocal by Eva Taylor. She was a very fine singer, as I mentioned, the wife of Clarence Williams. Uh, she was, uh, I believe, the first African-American singer, w- woman singer anyway, to be used as a studio vocalist in the 1920s. She recorded with the Charleston Chasers, a white group, and some others as well. She, was, she and Clarence were uh, one of the first African-American acts to be featured regularly on the radio. I think they had their own radio show for a while in the late 20s, and they appeared uh, in almost Broadway productions. Uh, Clarence Williams put on several shows that uh, had songs that he hoped to be hits coming out of. None of them really ever took off, but he and Eva Taylor were a, uh, a well-matched pair during this whole period. After that, we went to August of 1933, about two weeks later, and we heard, you've got the right key, but the wrong keyhole. And this was a, an older Uh, song from the 1920s. Um, This featured the vocal talents of Ed Allen on cornet. I should mention that Clarence Williams Jug Band, in addition to Cecil Scott and Clarence Williams, had Clarence Todd on kazoo and vocals, Herman Chittison and uh, Willie the Lion Smith playing piano, Ike Robinson on banjo, and Willie Williams on washboard. And this... uh, Band, Clarence Williams and his orchestra that did the right key but the wrong key hole, had Ed Allen, Cecil Scott, Clarence Williams, and Floyd Casey on washboard. And that was a group that was sort of the core of all of these recordings that were being made under Clarence Williams' name from about this period all the way up until about 1935. Then we heard that interesting little jazz tune, Bimbo, which was already about five or six years old at that point. Same group uh, from a couple of weeks after that, and this featured a guitar. Could have been Ike Robinson, although don't know if it was definitely he or not. Then we finished up with Harlem Rhythm Dance, a little bit more of a modern sound to that, uh, even though we have a tuba in the rhythm section. Cyrus St. Clair had recorded quite a bit with Clarence Williams in the 20s. He also played regularly with Charlie Johnson's Paradise uh, Orchestra, and uh, he was considered one of the best tuba players, uh, 
soloists and rhythm players of the 1920s. Uh, and he continued playing tuba into the 30s. He even recorded several times in the 1940s for Rudy Blush's label Circle and uh, was featured on at least one broadcast of the This Is Jazz series from 1947. And he was featured there on Harlem Rhythm Dance along with Ike Robinson on banjo, Clarence Williams again, Cecil Scott, and Ed Allen. So we're going to move ahead, uh, a little bit anyway, uh, to another session that came up a little bit later. This is uh, from December of 1933. Again, Clarence Williams and his orchestra for Vocalion. We're going to hear uh, a tune called Looker There, Ain't She Pretty, which is credited to uh, Clarence Todd. He does not sing on here. It's actually uh, the vocalist taken by Chick Bullock, a white singer who made hundreds of recordings in the 1930s. He was a studio singer, and uh, he can be heard on, on many, many jazz recordings, white and black jazz recordings. Um, he had a pleasant style, not an overly jazzy one, but he uh, was uh, well thought of by the studios. So look at there, Ain't She Pretty, and followed by the St. Louis Blues, the great W.C. Handy tune. And that's going to feature Ed Allen and Cecil Scott again, Clarence Williams on uh, piano for uh, at least a little bit of St. Louis Blues, James P. Johnson uh, also plays on St. Louis Blues, and it's definitely he on Look at There, Ain't She Pretty, uh, Roy Smeck on guitar, and steel guitar. He was a white studio guitarist who actually had the... Uh, honor, I guess, of being featured in one of the first sound films devoted to music that came out as part of the Vitaphone series when the jazz singer came out in 1927. Cyrus St. Clair is back on tuba, Floyd Casey on washboard, and as I mentioned, Chick Bullock on vocals. After that, uh, we will go to a tune that uh, isn't terribly well-known called Won't You Come Over and Say Hello, another Clarence Williams tune. This one, again, featuring James P. Johnson uh, on uh, piano. Same group, otherwise, from January of 1934. Then... He's a colonel from Kentucky, kind of a silly Tin Pan Alley tune that's given a very up-tempo, jazzy uh, treatment here. And that's uh, by a series of people, Tobias Scholl, Mencher, and Bear, some of whom uh, wrote this more popular song, I Want a Little Girl. And uh, this features, uh, again, same group, Ed Allen, Cecil Scott, James P. Johnson, Royce Smeck, Cyrus St. Clair, and Floyd Casey. And we're going to hear another white studio vocalist, Dick Robertson, who will sing the tune on that one. Then we're going to finish up with a, a traditional New Orleans blues that's credited to George Thomas, who was a piano player and uh, um, the brother of Hosiel Thomas and uh, Sippy Wallace, who uh, all were making recordings in the 20s. George Thomas uh, died, uh, I believe, in the early 30s, but this was probably his best-known tune, the New Orleans Hop Scop Blues, and we will hear a Clarence Williams vocal on there. Sometimes he could be a very effective vocalist, and I think this is one of those occasions. Again, Ed Allen, Cecil Scott, James P. Johnson, Royce Mech, Cyrus St. Clair, and Clarence Williams, and a trombone. We don't know who the trombone player is, although periodically during this period, Clarence Williams did use Dickie Wells. Uh, if it is Dickie Wells, and he was very understated on this title. So those are our tunes, Clarence Williams and his orchestra from 1933 and 34. Look at there, ain't she pretty? St. Louis Blues. Uh, won't you come over and say hello? He's a colonel from Kentucky and the New Orleans Hopscop Blues. <laughs> Ain't she pretty? 
dress, I lack of the hose, lack of the hat, lack of the pole. Oh, look at their ain't she pretty? Ain't she pretty?
a little bit more of the uh, the fire of this little group of traveling musicians, I guess, who worked with Clarence Williams. I don't think he had a regular band at the time. These were musicians who were playing in dance halls in New Orleans, trying, or in New York, rather, excuse me, trying to keep the depression at bay. As I said, Cecil Scott was with a lot of bands. Um, Ed Allen played with a number of dance groups and taxi dance halls and so forth. And of course, Clarence Williams had his publishing uh, career going as well. So we started out with Look at There Ain't She Pretty, and that, uh, as I said, featured vocal, a vocal by uh, Chick Bullock, and some fine piano by James P. Johnson as well, with Ed Allen on cornet and Cecil Scott on clarinet. They're featured all the way through this set, along with Roy Smeck on guitar, Cyrus St. Clair on tuba, and Floyd Casey on washboard. And we heard all of the above on the St. Louis Blues, which also featured a nifty little... Uh, steel guitar solo by Roy Smeck. As I mentioned, he was a white player who was doing studio work and uh, other things as well in the 1930s. Very interesting player. And we also heard a little bit of a tuba solo by Cyrus St. Clair there. Then we heard uh, Won't You Come Over and Say Hello, another uh, bit of work for James P. Johnson, this time uh, vocal, again vocal I should say, by Chick Bullock. Then Chick Bullock uh, cedes the vocal chair to another studio vocalist, Dick Robertson, for he's a colonel from Kentucky, which begins and ends with little quotes from My Old Kentucky Home, led by Cecil Scott. Then we finished up uh, with uh, New Orleans Hopscop Blues, featured a Clarence Williams vocal, kind of some down and dirty playing, I guess you'd have to say. More or less the same group, Ed Allen, Cecil Scott, James P. Johnson, Roy Smack, Cyrus St. Clair, uh, in this case no washboard, but a trombone player added in there in the uh, ensemble as well. So I hope you've enjoyed this program. My name is John Clark, this is the Jazz Focus, and we are on WETF the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. We have two more tunes for you. Uh, the Clarence Williams group from this period recorded enough for about four CDs, so I'm sort of picking and choosing. Uh, some of the recordings were done with a bigger band, with a full saxophone section. I'm going to save those for another, uh, probably, podcast coming up. There's some interesting recordings made a little bit more organized and with some more uh, involved solos as well, so we'll be listening to those at some point in the future. So I hope you enjoy uh, the jazz focus and hope you uh, take a listen once a week or so and see what we're up to and also please check out my podcast on uh, anchor.fm as well as apple and spotify the jazz focus so thank you and we're going to finish up with uh, my gal sal featuring a vocal by ike robinson uh, this band has ed allen and cecil scott willie the lion smith the great stride pianist uh, Richard Fulbright on bass, and Floyd Casey on washboard. This band was called the Alabama Jug Band and recorded uh, for DECA. This was one of those sides, uh, one of those series of recordings that um, was uh, introduced in the fall of 1934. The uh, uh, DECA people were trying to figure out what bands would uh, stick, as it were, and uh, the Clarence Williams Band did two sessions, this one and one in October, and we're going to hear the Jazzit Blues on that one. That's a thinly disguised version of the Jasmine Blues, and we're going to hear Cyrus St. Clair on tuba, along with the band I just mentioned, and a vocal trio, Clarence Williams, Ike Robinson, and Clarence Todd. So, that's what we have, My Gal Sal and Somebody Stole My Gal, Clarence Williams and his group going under the name of the Alabama Jug Band.
Da 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 da